now uh, a lot of things going on around the world a lot of elections going on also around the world so let's head to uh, the first topic that we should be uh, talking about now adi what's 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 burning in your head um okay so a lot of elections happening around the world all within like the span of one month all kinds of uh, global changes happening but i think we should start closer to home because we have an upcoming election in the next two weeks uh so right now we see a lot of uh, developments already happening on both government and uh, opposition side we can see that a lot of um, parties have mobilized already to name their candidates and staking their claim over which seat they would like to contest in we saw a lot of interesting movements and maneuvers made by certain parties uh, some that can be deemed as quite questionable so where can we start here we have a lot of parties that we can cover um but i guess we can go with um how we you know like how in previous episodes we tend to imply that this is a one one man's election and not an election for people but for the election of uh, one man which is uh amno president zahid hamidi so it was quite interesting to see this uh, past week over how we see a lot of uh, veteran politicians in his party suddenly being purged as you could say i mean the right phrase i could say is being purged um not being fielded in seats which they find uh, much success in like we see big names like shahidan kasim uh, adam baba anwar musa these are veteran politicians with a lot of experience under their belt a lot of um i would say tactics up their sleeves they know how it works they know how to win an election suddenly they're not being fielded and we can see some of them being unhappy with it going to say that oh, okay if i'm not going to get the candidacy under amno i'm just going to go contest under another party so what can you make of this you know this uh, whole you know, purge basically is it a way to rebrand amno or is this more of just a political maneuver to oust certain uh, characters that uh, has been disagreeable to this one man's election which is zaidamidi I, I I thought we're gonna start with the uh, you know the order that they were announced you know so oh, yeah. first yeah. but never mind <laughs> we already we'll go with what's interesting first we'll go with <laughs> yeah. yeah let's 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 do that uh, it's it's I mean uh, we already mentioned in the past episodes that uh, this is a one man uh, election and it's just uh, conforming uh, what we've been suspected of this uh, election to be so this is definitely a Zahid election why. Because those names that you said just now, maybe not all of them, some of them uh, on the, uh, on uh, Malaysia Gazette, if you just uh, look at today, Shaidan Kasim uh, publicly said that he will uh, he will um, what be, uh, will run for the election, will be uh, contesting in the election as well, defying the uh, president's uh, decree, if you will, and also uh, some of the some of the Selangor top. Uh, Amno uh, leaders also saying that uh, when they were asked about their, you know, Watika to be chalun, they were also asked to sign a SD statutory de uh, declaration or to to support him in case uh, Barisan National will win in the coming election. So these are the, you know, you, you can take it whether this is true or not, but it's coming from uh, also again an anonymous anonymous source. Uh, I'm not so sure if any other. A credible source that can back this up, but there are, I think certain few people that being uh, lynched from being purged from the uh, candidate list. They are also saying that oh, there's uh, something uh, going on behind 
behind doors because it's not just about uh, being a, a candidates but also extra document that needs to be uh, signed as well so this uh kind of uh, anecdotes uh, tell us like there's a lot of going on also uh, uh conform why they been uh, having such a uh, what, what, we, what we call like they need a lot of time to to finalize their candidates uh they call for the election but it ended up akan harapan announce their uh, candidates first so means the negotiation behind doors is so intense it's so uh rivalry so fierce that uh, a certain parliament like arau still not uh arau uh, uh is a hot seat that kretere uh, also a hot seat that we know uh, this big name senior politicians of this country not being filtered in the coming election so yes uh i i think this is a simple reading no for the analysis needed in my opinion uh, but moving forward uh amno uh also on on the on the other side also amno fielded a lot of young uh candidates so this is this is what the uh, uh most malaysian ones right uh, because uh, i think uh, ilham center made the survey and 70% about 70% malaysians one a new candidates one new faces and i think most across the board most uh, party actually fielded new faces so i think this is a win uh, one small win for the rakyat in in the in the grand scheme of thing i think that's a win for the rakyat what do you think adi uh, what's a, in, maybe perhaps different perspective from what i have uh, said well i mean of course uh, the idea is why uh, Malacca Johor went so well for Amno was because they did field new candidates. They were able to finally they finally understood the whole idea that you know it's time for the old guard to resolve you know to take a back seat and let younger candidates um, take the reins. But however, I would say that of course on paper it sounds good that you know all these veteran politicians are finally being sidelined for more younger potential politicians. But who is it that's putting all these people there? So. If that was the case, if we're looking for young and more dynamic uh, leaders, then why, what's all this um, hush hush situation with Kairi Jamaluddin? He himself has proven to be a quite capable and competent statesman. He's a good minister. You put him in any single, any ministry under the sun, and he'll he'll excel. He'll perform well. But it's it's not. I feel like this idea of like putting younger, more fresher faces is also used as a mask to cover up. The fact that Zahid is trying to manipulate this uh, the candidacy list to favor in him because we we know how in politics it works is that you help me I help you and I feel that maybe we are still not at that point where we can be a bit more uh, candidates or uh, politicians in big parties are resilient to influence from those at the top so I do appreciate the sentiment I do appreciate the gesture. But I have to question the motives here. I have to be a bit skeptical of uh, uh, where this has really come from. Is this really coming from uh, the genuine urge to refresh and have new dynamic and younger leadership? Or is this just a convenient excuse to remove uh, uh, party members who have shown to have a stance that has somewhat been moderate or against uh, uh, Zaid Hamidi? Because he himself has control, has control over this one entire faction, Venando. 
which has always been in competition with factions such as uh, the former Prime Minister Najib Razak's faction, or even uh, you know the younger moderates, which uh, Kairi Jamaluddin uh, commands right now. So it's still, I feel, it's still a power grab, really. It's a maneuver of you know, the warlord's game, basically. And I think through this purge, I think Said Hamidi has somewhat uh, put a check on a lot of his uh, dissidents and a lot of his opponents that has the potential to rise up against him, to challenge him. So that, that's how I feel for me. And even though a lot of people have been um, officially saying that Isma Sabri is the candidate for AMNO from Prime Minister, but we know that whoever holds the presidency of the AMNO party uh, has a better chance to become a Prime Minister. So it also has to depend on the General Assembly that comes after the general elections. But in my opinion, I think it's uh, a lot of it points to really a Zaid Habidi power grab here. And I feel this is not just going to affect a lot of uh, the, the federal level, but it can also have an effect on, on the state level as well. Because right now, for example, in Sabah, it's a GRS uh, government, uh, part of the components, which is Pesatu, which is, you could say, um, if you want to consider Perikatan National or Besatu as some kind of mirror or opponent or ally to, to Amno, that's up to you. But it doesn't change the fact that they're all competing in on opposing sides in the election, in the coming elections. So if that's the case and the line is drawn in that case, in that situation, then who's to say that if Zahid Amidi becomes prime minister, he will force a GRS government here in Sabah to, to change to a uh, Barisan national government. So you can leave that as you will, but it's for me, um, it's really, it's just one uh, piece of the of the game here. There's a lot that's going on that's going to be changing regardless whether or not um, Barisan National wins, Brigata National, Pakatan Harapan. What, what, what do you think about uh, people like um, Anwar Musa and Shaidan Kasim not being fielded, right? And also people like KJ that being fielded, but in a very new environment for him. Uh, very, at very last minute, he didn't know a week ago. I don't know, you know, behind closed door, maybe you already know about this. Done a campaign in there, but strategically, how do you see these people? Like, because if you KJ, it's almost a, a suicidal a move in, politi in politics. So, do, you, do who do you pity the most? People not being fielded, or people like KJ being being outcast in a new area? I think when you're saying that you're not being fielded, that's already a stop. A full stop right there. We're not taking you anymore. Your your husband washed up. Go do your own thing. But to field somebody in a seat that is going to be difficult to win, and most likely you might not win because um, um those seats they tend to favor the status quo. These are seats that will memang that will obviously uh, has historically shown to to that to that uh, side. So it's going to be very difficult to dislodge uh, opposition seats that has been held especially if you're going up against a DAP candidate that has been winning there, or even a KR candidate. So, and don't not to mention that you have to put out a lot of money, a lot, put out a lot of effort uh, to win this kind of like, especially if you're trying to convert the constituents of uh, seat, which has not been traditionally UMNO. So you're going to be, it could be seen as wasted effort, but if one thing I know about uh, Kari Jamaluddin is that he, he does have that chance to be able to bridge between uh, opposition, uh, between the Pakat and Arpan and uh, Barisan National. So maybe that could be worked to his advantage. However, there's a lot of people that are still unhappy with him, but you could see that he toes that moderate line. So maybe those that has a more moderate uh, disposition might 
be open to having him there. But it's it's going to be a tough fight. And if you lose, it's almost like you've thrown away a good opportunity. You've thrown away a good candidate. Uh, I, I would like also to uh, make a remark on uh, strategy that being deployed by Barisan National here. Like uh, we heard from Pakatan Harapan last week where they made uh, Perak as the new front to uh, to you know to uh, to gain uh, majority in, in 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 the next election, but I think the end strategies here is to attack Salangor because they fielded a lot of uh, big names in in Salangor. So first we have uh, KJ of course, uh, Tengku Zafru uh, in in uh, Sungai Sungai Besar is it, uh, and uh, Isham Dalil in Sha'alam. And of course, uh, Gani, uh, Datuk Gani in uh, in Titiwangsa, yeah. So uh, these are uh, major names in 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 Amno, and they're being filled in Selangor. Selangor, as we know, is a Harapan stronghold. Uh, it will be interesting fight to see this uh, these names, a few mentries filled in in Selangor instead of their comfort uh, zone. Uh, but also there are people like um, uh, youth leader uh, Dr. Ashraf, because in Greek uh, he was he was called in, as an uh, outsider. It's not really from Greek, but uh, this is again strategy to maintain uh, Perak as they are because they're being attacked by Pakistan Harapan now. So they have to feel uh, more uh, big names in Perak as well. So that I think is interesting strategy because. Uh, PH uh, announced it first, uh, BN now uh, just yesterday, but again, until this Saturday, we it's not yet uh, finalized, it's not yet done. So anything can happen between now and uh, Saturday, so hopefully not much changes going to happen. But interesting seat that we need to keep our, our eyes on is Arau, because uh, Shahid and Kasim might be filled by Amdo, but he said that he will contest. So let's see. Uh, is uh, Muhyiddin going to pick up his phone and say, hey, uh, why don't you join us? So that would be interesting offer for uh, Shaden Kasim to some sort of a, a, a revenge move towards his president. Now, uh, what do we have next, Adi? I think we should just put some thought to what the opposition is going to do, like Pakatan Harata and uh, Warisan and all the non-government okay. uh, yeah. parties. Yeah, they, uh, they announced a few uh, days ago, so let's Let's go. Let's go through with that. I think um, one of the biggest stories that I picked up was how uh, DAP was um, choosing not to feel a lot of their veteran politicians either, like uh, Charles Santiago in Klang. He uh, was touted as one of the best uh, members of parliament there, one of the best, uh, one of the best uh, politicians there. So I, I saw a lot of people were discontent about it, and I think it wasn't just Tony Poa as well. Um, a lot of these are big names that was part of the whole uh, reform agenda. They were always the one pushing for new ideas for social reform, uh, exposing scandals and all that. So these are people with a lot, not just a political mileage, but almost like a celebrity kind of uh, status here. So it's um, I see a lot of discontent over it. Um, but it's funny, like because when we go back to the idea of like fielding new candidates, fielding new faces, uh, do you feel it's justified here? I mean to remove all these competent um, these competent uh, candidates in place for new people? Because this is the competing narratives I see. Is that why should we remove someone that's good? 
or what for someone we don't know. But on the other side is that you know eventually some people will have to go, right? Because their time is up, because they've been there for too long. Because once you're at the top of your game, the only direction left is to go down. So I mean, how would you look at towards these in this kind of narrative obviously? Should um, these uh, veteran politicians have shown a lot of competence and ability, uh, a lot of trust from the people? Uh, should step aside for new people if, even though we know their capability is there? I think when it when DAP first announced that uh, uh, places like Betong is no longer going to be uh, defended by Wong Tech. Uh, Tony Pua and Santiago are going to be fielded. I think this is this is no this is a norm for party like DP because it's not the first time it's happening. Uh, uh, if we take a look, uh, how uh, Lim Guan Eng from Malacca and then went to jail and then uh, after being released from jail, he contested in Pinet. So this is part of the grand strategy by DP and also uh, his father as well, Kit. Uh, 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 Kitsiang killed it in Johor, uh, I think last in Gelang Pata. Now, uh, I think this is uh, the what what so-called uh, no one is bigger than the party kind of kind of uh, principle. Uh, you are part of the part of the party, and when you needed to be there, you go and you go and be part of the party uh, strategy. So uh, I don't I don't see this is as a conflict, uh, but of course. Uh, it's a different case uh, for Wong Tech and also Chasantego because there's a few remarks being uh, said by Anthony Loke that, oh, I already mentioned to Chasantego, but and then Chasantego said that uh, he, he was never informed about this. It was a very last minute move. So again, uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion happening again, uh, bad doors, but, uh, you know, this is part of politics. We, we, you know, among among all people, politicians should, shouldn't be uh, emotional, especially making a, a rash decision about uh, standing for as, as in, uh, independent candidates right after being uh, announced not going to be contesting in the next general election. So this is uh, being a being a bigger man in terms of a, a political uh, strategy by the FP. And of course, PKR also doing this. Uh, we see Anwar Ibrahim in uh, Tambun, uh, to be honest, I think, uh, you know, seeing that he's, he's going to go up against uh, Peja, they ex uh, Menteri Besar also, now uh, incumbent uh, uh, Minister of Youth and Sports. So it's very uh, huge a challenge for him. But of course, Anwar is, uh, is known uh, nationwide. So so people of Tam Tambun uh, will have a privilege to select their so-called future prime minister. So again, to 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 give you perspective from uh, my, you know my opinion here is this is part of the grand strategy. You are just a pawn in a chessboard. So do what you must or do what you told by the by the uh, party leadership. Yeah, and I think um, DAP has sort of characterized themselves as the party that has a good succession plan. I mean. You see that the AP has always been willing and not shy to change their leadership or to change their candidates or to change uh, their top their top uh, politicians. This is they're very good at that, and I think this is just another way of showcasing that you know 
we're not going to pick the same people. We want new people. We want to change a few things. So we need younger, more brighter, more dynamic leadership here. It doesn't mean that the previous uh, candidate does is somehow relegated to uh, retiring. They can still offer their guidance, offer their experience. But let's try to focus here also, like the Pakatan Harapan has been having a bit of a thorn in their side with uh, Warisan suddenly contesting in quite a tremendous amount of seats in uh, West Malaysia. Now, Warisan is, uh, you know, they marketed themselves as a Sabah-based party, you know, the whole slogan for Sabah, for Sabahans. And even the name, Sabah Heritage Party, suddenly contesting in seats in Nanjing. You know, we saw how that worked out in Johor, but what is this play here? I know a lot of people um, back then in 2020 were quite adamant um, with Shafi Abdal becoming the, a good choice for deputy prime minister. We need, we finally should have a Sabah Sarawakian DPM or even a PM. Uh, I, and I don't want to think that has gotten to his head here but because that is, even by then, it's still a, we're still a long way to go to get there. But this um, this, this disruption here, because they did ally themselves with Pakatan Harapan, suddenly they're, in, they're not just fielding candidates in seats that are Barisan National, but also uh, seats that was held by Pakatan uh, members here. So what really is the play here? Is there some kind of uh, strategy going along, going on here? Because I think if you want to look at how Warisan has been performing in Sapa, I think a bit of support has uh, waned here in Sapa and not co compared to how it was back then. I obviously think that the heavyweights in Warisan and Sapa would definitely still win their seats, retain their seats, like Shafi Abdal, Aziz Jaman. But, you know, this shift to Sunanjung, uh, what's the point of doing that when your power base is still not solid or firm or has strong foundation yet over here in Sabah. Well, I, I still, I, I don't get the rationale here, to be honest. I think uh, uh, why they decided to expand to the peninsula is I think because of there's a gap that needs to be made in terms of alternative to uh, party uh, for people who in the uh, uh, liberal side here because uh, for if, if you are if, if if you think about it on the board right there's so many choices for you if you are right wing so you can have amno you can have bn or pn and uh yeah might as well throw gta there so but if you look at the uh, left side the liberal side you only pretty much only have ph there's there's a party socialist malaysia but let's let's put them you know in in the group of uh uh, PH uh, for for now, right? They're also being uh, discussing to to enter uh, officially to PH. So, but to to see in the bigger picture here, there's a gap between all. Oh, there's a lot of uh, competition in uh, right right wing uh, political mindset, but there's not so much uh, and pretty much uh, monopoly by PH here. So I think what that's what Orison trying to do with their with their messages like we trying we trying to create a nation not uh, for certain uh, red uh, uh, group of uh, people. So this kind of message transcend a lot of uh, 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 political spectrum, if you or even races and religion. So this is a message that sell very well in urban areas and where we have a lot of urban areas in peninsular Malaysia. Uh, that's why I think uh, they can uh, attract a lot of these ex-MCA uh, or MIC uh, politicians uh, in, 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 in peninsula where they 
ex-MCA leaders, I think I forgot his name, now being fielded as a candidate in Warisan, in, in, I think in Kedah. So that's, I think, an interesting move where they recycle as much as uh, Warisan Sabah Shafi himself from uh, AMNO leadership being set for, I think, for the last 10 years. So that's, I think, uh, what they're trying to do here. And then uh, hopefully, in the future, there will be a level at PH and 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 Malaysians would have more choices to pick from. So if you, if I'm a right-wing uh, Malaysian, I can have my choices between PN, BN, GTA, and for likewise for the leftists, they have PH, Warisan, and perhaps more in the future. Yeah, and I so guess that's, that's, good, that's a very good strategy as well because. Uh, I mean, if you tend to be a bit more uh, left, left wing leaning or, or on the liberal spectrum, you would be a bit more, uh, how would you say, open to the plight of Sabah and Sarawak, and you would see that as an injustice. So I think them marketing towards that kind of uh, group, that kind of demographic, might actually both to be an efficient strategy to them. How, how the, as to the scale for that, however, remains to be seen because this is the first time we are seeing something like this. So, but I guess it's also a breath of fresh air as well because we always complain about how in Sabah a lot of these um, West Malaysian parties coming in and interfering uh, here. Yeah. And now it's you know, kind of reversed in a way. It's a reverse situation. Yeah. So that's a very interesting situation. But yeah, um, definitely, yeah, definitely, what is leveraging on Sabah's image as being like very Malaysian through the spirit. Like we always talk about, like the the true Malaysians are Sabahan because we uh, tolerate with. Uh, religion race or whatever so they're selling these images and they're leveraging in terms of political points so i think that's a very smart move in, on their part credit to abuse yeah true true it, it can go either way to be honest they might see us interfering or they might see us okay they're teaching us about such situations Sarawak. it's horrible we have to put these people who are talking about it in there to fix it or something like that yeah. but I, either way i think um a lot of interesting things to come leading up to uh, the Malaysian elections. However, we can see a lot of other elections happening uh, across the world. Like um, for you, Hafiz, what's the most uh, recent election that comes to mind? Oh, uh, definitely uh, Brazil uh, election recently was just concluded. I think yesterday, uh, with the victory went to Lula da Silva, a former president of Brazil. Defeated a far right president Bolsonaro. So this is a very interesting election because in uh, uh, he was uh, he's pretty much in you know formulation out there who not familiar with Lula. He's sort of like Anwar Ibrahim in a way as a leftist, and also he was being in jail just recently got out and annulled his sentence and then went straight back to uh, election and it's a fairy tale, isn't it? You know, uh, he he finally get an election, took the power from his so-called arch arrival. So a very interesting uh, situation we have in Brazil because also in the whole continent, South America right now, we can see the diminishing numbers of uh, right-wing government. So almost the whole uh, continent now are blue, uh, except I think a few small countries like Uruguay and Paraguay, which actually are still in uh, conservative party, but a uh, bigger uh, country like uh, Venezuela, uh, Colombia, uh, Argentina, and now Brazil being controlled by uh, left government. What do you take on that, Adi? Is, is it something that surprised you that Lula can actually uh, win? 
I mean, when I was studying in UK, right, I did take a course on contemporary Latin uh, South America. And even back then, they were leveraging on Lula, hoping to win. Uh, but then Jair Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro did make it here, make it to um, win the elections, uh, leveraging on the whole far right wing sentiment. A lot of his uh, voters uh, tend to be uh, upper uh, middle class, to upper middle class uh, men, uh, white uh, in the middle mid thirties and above, uh, Christian uh, Christian religion. So. Uh, he appealed to that uh, kind of demographic there, which is a very uh, masculine return to the whole uh, dictatorship eras that was plaguing South America. Uh, and then you come uh, with uh, Lula here, who is very much a liberal, very left-wing, very uh, all for equality, and channeling the whole, um, you know, back then in, uh, during the Cold War, you would see a lot of this uh, socialist movements or left-wing movements uh, pop up all across uh, Central and South America. So I think it leverages on that kind of interplay here because I think when we look at Brazil, uh, historically, they've always had this kind of competition between um, the, uh, the serfs back then, the slaves at the time, and uh, slave-owning oligarchs. You know, when the last emperor of Brazil, he wanted to abolish slavery, but he knew that the land-owning oligarchs uh, would rise up. Uh, in the end, his daughter did succeed. But in the end, um, when there was emancipation of the slaves in Brazil, uh, what happened? The oligarchs rose up, they controlled everything, and you know that we didn't take long to become a dictatorship. So I think you know the whole um, Bolsonaro's uh, regime here was you know a continuation of that kind of struggle. Is the whole um, idea of uh, strong man characters holding the reins of power, guiding the country towards some whatever goals they had in mind. And you have the revolutionary kind of spirit fighting against that as well, which I think Lula encompasses, which was able to enshrine and capture. But I think when we look at the election, the numbers here on the technicalities, I think it was only by one or two percent difference, the election. One percent. One percent. So it's still a lot to be, I mean, even though you win, it's a slim majority, and we know how slim majorities uh, can be very fickle, can be very, how do you say, uh, fragile. Like when you look at the Malaysian context, uh, when there was a very slim majority on either side, and before we even had the anti-hopping law, anti-hopping bill, you could see a lot of uh, MPs and aduns jumping left, right, and center, destabilizing everything. So if we are to take this um, very small difference here for Brazil, we could see that there's still going to be ongoing tensions here between um, the more liberal side and the more conservative side. Um, but I think when we look at uh, Latin America, South America as a whole, they've always tend to be, I mean, South Americans, they are quite uh, politically, uh, how do you say, politically aware uh, relative to, let's say, most of the other developing countries like uh, in Malaysia. They, 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 you would see protests, riots, uh, you know, revolutionary guards or young people taking to the streets, protesting at a great, a great frequency compared to what we see uh, in Malaysia here. So I think it's uh, moving forward when it comes to Brazil. We would see more of these kinds of uh, social social progress. They're, they're much, they're way, way ahead when it comes to wanting and yearning for social changes and progresses. That's, that's my take really on Brazil uh, election. Yeah, uh, on that note, also like Bolsonaro uh, uh, took almost two days and stayed silent about uh, the the 
the announcement of a victory to Lula. And then uh, only finally after two days, he's, he considered, but he never actually addressed it publicly. So that's a kind of precedent that uh, Brazil had for the last uh, four or five years. So that's kind of a uh, sore loser uh, attitude. It's not helping him in his uh, next run to be a president. And also uh, heard being also being reported that uh, there are a few uh, roadblocks being held by uh, his Bolsonaro uh, uh, fans, uh, supporters, to to uh, you know to to disrupt the peace after the announcement. So I think this is very chaotic uh, time, but also like a strong man image, a strong man personality of himself, not gonna go without such uh, you know such fight, like literally uh, a fist fight. Uh, but he was, yeah, he was a he was a military officer, wasn't he? So he had to play the whole uh, legitimacy issue. Like, you know, I'm I'm in control here. I have to be in control. Yeah, that's definitely true. But also, you mentioned about uh, how developed uh, country. Like, I mean, uh, Brazil is one of the top uh, economic uh, power, uh, top ten in GDP. But of course, uh, politically, they also struggle. But this comes. Uh, this is a, a, a nice segue to the next topic. I think uh, we're going to talk about Israel and Italy as well. Uh, these are also the countries that actually. Uh, very struggling in terms of finding the stability. Israel, my gosh, this is their fifth election in this in the space of what three years, and Italy never actually had a prime minister longer than what three or two years. They keep changing Italy, and now Georgia Meloni is the first far right uh, president, or I mean prime minister of Italy since Mussolini 44, 45 years ago. So that's a mind-boggling fact that is also very worrying for if you're in the um, in the uh, European uh, countries. Of course, uh, Meloni mentioned that she's a supporters of NATO, supporters of uh, Euro, Euroskeptics, but uh, also, uh, you know, she's saying other things as well when she's in uh, her campaign. So what do you think, what do you think of this uh, and how can we learn from Israel and Italy? Okay, well... They, these are countries I feel are going through the whole existential crisis here. So this whole conservative or you know preservation, self-preservation kind of uh, bend here is you know conservatives and right wing they like to you know use the whole ideological battle here. Saying the language used is always you know we need to maintain the preservation of our people of our you know, children and so on and so forth. And then you would have on the other side you know, on the more left wing side, which is more about you know equality and freedom for all you know everyone should be treated the same uh, even countrymen and non-countrymen so i mean israel you can you can make an argument saying that you know given that it's a situation it's geographic uh, disposition uh, of course people who support israel would say that they're only acting in the best interest of their people self-preservation but we've seen that um israel itself has uh, a track record that leaves much to be desired you know waging uh, warfare asymmetrical warfare inflicting certain levels of force that is disproportionate to those that they are waging war against. And still, they still haven't decided, found a way to find a way to, to coexist. Like, you know, the two-party solution, uh, the two-state solution between Palestine and Israel, that's, I mean, looking at how Netanyahu might win again uh, at the Neset with his whole party, it's, we're never going to see a, res a resolution to the conflict because if the people of Israel decide that Netanyahu is meant to be 
uh, leader again to be the premier uh, representative, then it's a showcase that you know the Israeli uh, identity is still one that needs to one they need to fight for. They feel they need to struggle for because they had the you know the the conflict at Yom Kippur. They have all kinds of conflicts with its neighbors. So it's it's a very volatile region. It's a very you know, if you live, let's say, in Israel, you're born in Israeli, you grew up in Israel, of course, you would have some kind of uh, paranoia uh, floating around over when the next Arab country is going to invade on behalf of Palestine or when you know, something's going to happen. But the, that seems to be the, the mood for the last 20 years. I don't think, I think it's been about 20, 30 years since Yishvak Rabin, who was the one of the, the only um, Israeli uh, leaders that actually decided that he wants to put a stop and had negotiations uh with uh, palestine uh, and then that went awry. um you know people he was murdered and assassinated by uh people in uh, who was affiliated with netanyahu's party so it's a very uh, strange situation here that you have and if you're going to take also italy as an example we've seen you know this huge surge of right-wing nationalism popping up uh, all over europe i think um people would say that brexit was the first uh, episode of that and then you had the election of emmanuel macron to president of france it was also another moment that shows that this right-wing nationalism is becoming uh, is sweeping as almost like a reaction to the last uh, few decades of a liberal type government so i mean that's the general gist i get i'll have a bit but you know, i'll let you give some opinions here first before i jump in Uh, oh, sorry, I wasn't aware of that. I, I just want to mention about Israel, um, what happening there and as well in Italy. Like, yes, uh, that's true. And uh, totally, I concur with that. Uh, but I think this is uh, one of the classic tricks in politics and books where you need, to, you need to keep certain um, adversity or certain kind of issue to keep running so that you can appear to be a hero so when it comes to uh, uh election you can you can you know provide the solution but never actually address the situation because it's gonna be the the only thing that keeps you in power and the, the, the people are gonna keep voting on you i think the same thing in italy as well the most important thing right now that uh, put uh, far right uh, uh party in power is immigration so certainly, you know, there's a lot of influx of uh, uh, Northern African crossing crossing the sea, and then to, to to Italy. So it is a real situation. But of course, with uh, the right political will, uh, like you said in the past, uh, Israeli leader tried to to solve the problem. But of course, in in in, in Italy case, uh, they need to keep this, uh, you know, all these issues uh, there, stand by. To be manipulated by politicians when they need it and to, you know at, at, their, at their convenience yeah so um, i think it's a very interesting same thing as well in malaysia if you see uh, politicians where actually uh, try uh, so-called the english all tactics uh, divide and conquer where it's actually the differential of classes uh, actually that matters here i mean people with lower class with lower educations and uh, lower income, these are the people that be marginalized uh, per, uh, on purpose by the government uh, for the last 60 years. 
so that they can you know uh, some, some sort of like control and manipulate this group of people that actually contributed to their to their uh, success for a long time and yeah i mean uh, this is a very uh, sad and also uh, uh, something that very uh, hard, i'm not, you know I, I'm, I'm lost for words for this because this is this is a great country that we mentioned in brazil Israel and Italy, you know, if you if you if you a fan of Roman Empire, so this is uh, the remnants of it. So, uh, it is, uh, Rome used to be a capital of an empire that was so great it uh, touches the uh, Asia continent. So now it comes to this, it comes to to just mere uh, dirty politics and whatnot. So I think, yeah, it it is uh, uh, worrying. Uh, also, but at the same time, uh, of course, uh, there's the, uh, the the left still outnumber government in terms of uh, in Europe. Uh, if you look at it, and then uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in Israel, you know, when you think about it, Malaysia is not that bad. It's, you know, there's there's no there's 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 no uh, what we call the, uh, violence or there's even protest, but it's not that it's not it's not that violent as in Brazil or in or in uh, Italy. So I think uh, it's a blessing in disguise, isn't it? <laughs> I guess it's a blessing in disguise, but how, we can also see that as a ticking time bomb. How long will it take until the people of Malaysia are pushed to the point where we're going to end up protesting violently on the streets? Because it's happened in all these kinds of countries. Like, But I guess also we've had a more moderate kind of history when you look at it. It wasn't really a history of um, puritanical violence or crackdowns that we saw at the same level in uh, Israel or Brazil, uh, maybe even like during the post-war Italy. Um, but going back to uh, how Italy's uh, you know, the victory, the right-wing victory in uh, Italy, um, you know, it reminds me of um, the BJP in India because um, you know, um, this new uh, prime minister of uh, Italy did come from the same uh, origin, the same root here of uh, very national socialist uh, parties here, which uh, was aligned with uh, Mussolini. And then you have these kinds of resurgence of, uh, you know, it's just waiting for the right uh, situation here. It's waiting for the right uh, powder keg, basically, because now Italy is flooded with uh, issues of immigration, I think Europe is still buckling from that kind of uh, issue. Uh, but then how I find that related to India is how now you can see in a lot of, um, in India, there's still that struggle between uh, the, the northern the northern Indians, not the north in India and the south, not to mention there's that whole uh, religious uh, conflict as well, because uh, they're still finding that issue, that find that balance to coexist between Muslims and Hindus there. And you can see parties like the BJP that's fomenting, uh, you know, this whole idea of Akan Bharat, you know, uh, Hindustan Zindabad. Uh, it's so it reminds me of that, you know, it's that kind of situation in Italy here. Is you know, it's a very um, contained like identity is so um, sacred to uh, it Italians, uh, Europeans basically that they don't want to see it diluted or they don't want to see any kind of agency uh, eroded. They want to feel like they still have control and mastery over the domains. So, I mean, that's 
quite natural any person, right? If let's say I'm a Malaysian, right? I mean, even we have that kind of issue in Sabah. Like when we hear uh, like illegal immigrants coming into Sabah, then we feel like our agency is being eroded, our future is being stolen. So, you know, that kind of, I mean, we can, even though we say that this is a bad thing, right? It's also very relatable. It's something that we all can understand as well. And it also shows that, you know, right wing, left wing, I don't think there's anything intrinsically bad about either one. Both have shown to be uh, disastrous and taken to the extremes. But I think when we look at it through this kind of lens is that um, it's, it's relative everywhere, basically, in, in my opinion. And these are just reflections of what can of what aspects of our society as well. So I think when we come to the elections soon, we should know that you know there's elements of what Brazil is going through, there's elements to what Israel is going through, there's elements of what uh, Italy is going through. And so we can't just like sit back and laugh like oh ha 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 they have the idiot for a prime minister or president when we have uh, issues with our own parliament as well. <laughs> yeah, for video is. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. It's just uh, if you see into perspective that uh, Malaysia is much much a younger country uh, than compared to to a country like Italy, India, and Brazil. So, uh, but of course, uh, this sentiment of uh, uh, nationalism is uh, cemented and institutionalized in Malaysia because a part of Ketuanan uh, Melayu is part of the enshrined in, in, in constitution where we have uh, explicitly saying that you know uh, the religion of Islam is a, uh, the federal religion and whatnot so these are the things that uh, actually uh, you know it's everywhere in the country it's just how uh, the government how the politics of the respective countries manipulate these issues and how they make on or um, I mean le leverage on these issues. Uh, you know, definitely, if you want to talk about uh, nationalism or racism in 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 certain uh, prevailing country, yes, it happened, and but it's in, in different you know package, if you will. So uh, it's 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 you know it's it's the duty of the people to to call a spade a spade and then uh, make a judgment in the end of the day, especially on the election day. What that's what we come to. It's uh, election day, and we need to see, as well as you know, it's important that we see uh, uh, up close, but also look at the bigger picture of, of what uh, these people, this character, political character, represent. Like some, some, uh, like some people say, like, uh, hey, I'm voting for the candidates, not so much on the party. I don't care so much on the party, but I would say this. A candidate have no much say in terms of what they're going to do collectively. The party, the party leadership, will decide for them. As as uh, what we see uh, uh, recently, like uh, uh, how they're going to be uh, candidates and whatnot, it's all being decided by the coalition, by the party, by the leadership. So uh, my just my uh, opinion out there, people may of course may disagree with it. If you if you in uh, if you in uh, 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 dilemma of choosing whether candidates, especially Sumai Bulu people, right? <laughs> if you in dilemma of choosing the party or the candidate, it's uh, always going to vote for the party because what you, it represents one vote for the candidate, whether you like it or not, it goes to contribute the party and ultimately make up the president of the make up the president being the prime minister of malaysia so that is 
it. That's the simple equation that we all need to remember. One vote for, the, for this very likable local man contributed a lot, uh, education uh, uh, achievement very well, but represented a party that have a policy that, uh, uh, you know, uh, as what we as what we call uh, one man election is, uh, I, I don't think it's a right uh, decision there. Yeah, maybe in different election, I might be wrong or in different cases, I might be wrong. But in this one, I stand firm with that party of uh, candidates. What do you think I did? Do, uh, do you agree I'm, with that? I don't think there's a right and wrong answer here because well, let's say that local politician who's always there, right? Uh, people will only see that uh, politician, right? They won't really see they, can, they won't really see him as part of a collective. And as I think it's more to do with how much service he's able to do and how much he's able to make things easier for people on the ground. And I think there's this um, disconnect here with uh, politicians as representatives and as uh, decision makers. At the end of the day is that they need to, they will eventually sit down at, uh, in the day one, either as uh, Adun or a member of parliament, and will have to vote and discuss policies. Their not, job is not just meant to uh, go down to the ground and service, right? It's a, it's a dual function, but we feel that um, they only can do one or the other. If you sacrifice one uh, for the other, you, you lose the other. Like if you're a politician that's more focused on policies, right? Then it's going to be hard for you to devote a lot of time to those on, to servicing your constituency and vice versa as well. So uh, for me, is um, at the end of the day, it's I'll always tend to uh, look to the individual as well, especially if the individual is someone that knows the shortcomings of their party and is able to call it out. I'm always more appreciative of trying to, you know, I know this is a very uh, controversial take and a lot of people don't like it, but I prefer people who are trying to reform, uh, let's say, an established party from the inside and trying to bring out a better version of it because we don't we don't want to have that monopoly of parties we want to always have diversity in the in the choices that we can make and if the choices are more stronger the choices are uh, better and can compete with one another fairly then i think that is better that we have uh, different kinds of politicians in different kinds of parties trying to make the parties uh, much better in terms of integrity and discipline um but of course i can see why people would want to vote for the party especially when they look at uh, when they want to look at things more the macro um, lens here but if let's say you're going to the rural area then it's not really going to that kind of macro perspective is uh, as important you know it's the micro it's whether or not you know the jalan raya is service whether or not there's street lights here and there whether or not um, floods is still going to happen or not although this can is easily it can be more holistically resolved in the day ones but uh, we don't see it that way there's that disconnect so i don't think there's a right and wrong answer i think it's whoever you feel comfortable with basically if you're comfortable with um this uh, politician doing this or you know this party doing this then more power to you basically and you know, that's your choice basically as long as you participate in the voting process that's all that matters i'm not going to hold it against you if let's say you voted for a party that i don't like because you maybe came to a different conclusion than I did. And who's to say that your conclusion is wrong and mine is right. So uh, 
that's how I see it, really. Um, I think you vote based, if your allegiance is more to a party, if you like that politician because of the party, then of course you like the party. But if you follow the politician to whichever party he joins, then it really is more to the politician. And I guess that speaks more to the community and speaks more to you as an individual and your pattern of voting, basically. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, I spoke from the, you know, uh, from the point of view that uh, recently Fami Reza uh, shared on his TikTok account on uh, how to how to vote. So basically what he did is just uh, draw a graph and place all this political party on spectrum of their uh, uh, political uh, agenda. I mean, uh, far right and uh, left. So the uh, 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 authoritarian and and not so just put in the graph so wherever that you're leaning you can take a test on the online here and then you take a test and then you vote for the party that you think uh, align with your values so i think that's where i'm coming from but uh this kind of discussion i think uh, begs of uh, a question to me like uh, do you think uh because there's a saying right like like it's better to be a small fish in a bigger pond rather than being a big fish in a small pond. So do you think KJ as a political character, is he uh, some sort of like, uh, because he maintains his uh, position in UMNO, he's not being, he's not being aggressive at all to, to, to fight the leadership. But why he, he doing this is to his advantage because uh, he in the by maintaining the status quo, people see him better. Because if you put him in PH, do you think he's better than Fami, uh, Fami Fazil? Do you think he's better than Rafizi? Do you think he's better than any other uh, 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 reform reformacy leader that we have? Even people like Tony Pua or many others. Do you so by putting himself in a more sort of a conservative party and he been seen as a war very progressive very young refreshing new ideas so he monopolized that uh, sentiment in amno uh, do you think that's what the uh history i wouldn't know it's intentional it's definitely worked he i mean you pick and choose your market so there's lack of there's a lack of progressive leaders or progressive leaders being seen in amno and I think KJ fills that niche very well. It's like some people who do support Amno do want to see a change, right? Who wants to see it progress, to see it uh, be a bit more modern. So I guess KJ does fulfill that criteria there. Like you said, if he moves to like Pakatan Harapan, you know, he's competing with people on the same level as him. Like he's right now in Amno, he's swimming in a sea of mediocrity. The only people that are, you know, I would say, on the same level as him are his, his own uh, his own team, basically, his own faction, the people that he's brought up. So, you know, it creates this whole like faction to say, that, okay, we have, we're the reformers, we're the moderates, we're the ones that are going to change Amno's culture from the inside. Of course, that's very difficult to do. Amno is a monstrous system on its own. But yeah, like you put him in a different context, you put him in DAP, you put him in PKI, he's going to be, you know, fighting the, he'll be being compared to the Rafizis, he'll be compared to the Tony Fuaz, you know, the people who's been saying the same exact things that he's been saying but a bit more vocal and a bit more open about it. So finding that niche in another party is going to be very, very difficult uh, if for KJ to exit out. And I forgot what I was going to get to here, but it was about um, 
was I going to say? Uh, but yeah, that's how I see it really. And you know, they need to have that uh, young sort of dynamic guy in Amno as well. They, it's a two-way relationship. At least they can by keeping KJ inside, uh, who's very who's still quite a popular figure. They're also maintaining that okay, we're you know we're tolerant to this guy. You know, we're tolerant to his ideas of medical marijuana. We're tolerant to open negotiations with all the things that he said. You know. And at least, it's, it, you know, if we have one competent minister, hey, we can boost our image. So he, they can put him as that poster boy there to say that, hey, Amno isn't as regressive or uh, conservative as you might think. We have guys like this here, you know, the fresh face, you know, young guy that can do no wrong or whatever, something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he's really a big fish in a small pond in terms of uh, relative capability. I mean, I wouldn't say that everyone in Amno is, not, is, is incapable. But I just think uh, motivations are different, and the culture uh, tends to um, reward you for those kinds for having those kinds of motivations. So, yeah. Yeah, but but on the other side as well, I think uh, if this is uh, intentionally uh, he's doing, it's also going to put his uh, uh, a huge target on its back because uh, you know the upcoming uprising uh, young leader, progressive leader in Amno is you know definitely gonna catch a few eyes and if you definitely uh, 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 that ladder that leadership ladder in, in Amno is very full of uh, sweat tears and blood so uh, if only if KJ willing to 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 you know uh, spill more blood uh, not literally not material blood but uh, political blood only then I think I can see him to be at helm because otherwise he will be cut off like right now, like he almost not being fielded in his uh, uh, Rambau constituency. Now in is uh, what I call a, a suicidal move for him. But of course, if he can pull this off, it will be a turning point for his political career because he will, this will uh, says that he stood of time like no matter what being thrown at him and he can uh, deal with it and therefore he has the legitimacy to be the next uh, president of Amno or whatnot uh, whatever it will be happen in the future yeah, so definitely. whether Amno will win the next general election or Amno will lose general election either either outcome I think KJ will win uh, in terms of it. so it's kind of so, so uh, but of course, this is a long shot for him. He's very young. He's almost what? He's forty-seven, almost fifty now. No, uh, right? Still young. He's still young for a political career. Still considered young. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. He's in nineties, still running, and uh, so it's still considered young. Yeah, but of course, relatively saying as well, like uh, leaders like uh, Nordin, Nordin Khalid in Amno uh, is quite young as well. But these are the people that are a little bit upper than him. It's my Sabri, of course, uh, quite old, but not that old as well. Can there's a good ten years left in him? So yeah, I think I think it's a really long shot for KJ, and yeah, good luck for him. I think it'll definitely cause a lot of critics because a lot of people did like do like to criticize him, saying that like, he only got there because of who he is or who he's connected to. Um, but I think this will be a good showcase of whether or not he is uh, a good candidate. You know, he he fits the mold because sometimes you do see him that he doesn't he seem like he fits the Amno style culture. 
But like, like we said, maybe he, it's to his benefit that he stays there as the odd one out. But at least from here, if he's able to clinch a win, then it shows that he does have a place there. And he does have, he's able to command some kind of landscape within Amno. And, you know, that influence is justified. So all the best to him, because uh, if he does, you know, in the next election somehow, does become candidate for prime minister, uh, that would be a huge um, development, politically speaking. Uh, have quite a young guy like him become the prime minister, but that's up for speculation. Who knows? Maybe um, Buddha might uh, have a huge uh, tsunami on their hands and we'll get an even younger prime minister as our choice. So uh, that's just uh, <laughs> wishful thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be a far fetch for him because he's uh, <laughs> being asked to defend himself in court. So I yeah. don't know if he can stand for his uh, constituency now. So yeah, we saw we saw like about four. They feel they feel they so far released about four candidates, mm -hmm. uh, one in Sabah, um, three over in Tanjung, one a woman, yeah. one also who was uh, part of the Johor state election and as well. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see how that works out as well. But we haven't talked much about uh, pass GTA. Uh, what do you think of Demadi? Do, do they have a fair chance of uh, grabbing some seats? Or can PAS maintain their 18 uh, seats? Or uh, would they get more? I think for PAS, basically, uh, they will ride the same wave that uh, Barca National is going through. I mean, for me, if Barca National seems to be winning two seats, right, I think PAS can also leverage on that kind of uh, change uh, in uh, perception. Because uh, let's um, look back at uh, 2018. Uh, even though Pakatan Harpan did win, how much can we attribute that to the collective effort of Pakatan Harpan or because of the star power that uh, Tun Mahathir uh, had at the time? Because he was able to cut across a lot of political divides there. And we're back here, in now we're fast forward to 2022, the lines are more rigid, I feel, than they've ever been. So in terms of like, maybe those that went to, that converted over to Pakatan Harpan just because of Mahathir, they could easily return back to where they were, which is usually tends to be um, no Varsa National or even PAS. So maybe we could see uh, them winning maybe a few more seats or even maintaining the seats that they have because um, PAS, they've you know consistently shown that they can maintain their seats and they're still a strong, they have their strong polls very settled in. As for GTA, <laughs> I think um, this, is the diff this is a very different Mahadeh than what we've seen uh, four years ago. This is a Mahade that seems to be out on his own, uh, doing whatever he wants. He can say whatever he wants now, uh, making it on, uh, you know, on the credibility of his own name, basically. So it's a very interesting uh, thing to see. I mean, um, it's amazing to see how far we've, what we've came from him uh, creating Persatu and joining Pakatan Harapan, becoming prime minister again, to having a smaller party, you know, smaller support base. and finding it hard to work with anybody now so it's a it's a very weird situation but you know anything can happen who knows maybe he has one last trick up his sleeve that he can pull but uh, at this uh, juncture it's very hard to maneuver at this point yeah i also think you know with the existence of uh, gpa and what is that now it's almost certain that most seats uh, now have three corner fights so at least Fight. So that's, I think, very, um, you know, it's a spoiled choice for the people, but also in politically speaking, if you're a politician or a political party, 
um, a different strategy needs to be employed. So here, yeah, because you know, uh, one vote uh, not goes to you goes might goes to the uh, to the other two candidates. So that could spell trouble for you in terms of uh, the numbers that you need to reach the majority of the to winning the seat. So I think that's very also. Uh, that's why we see a lot of people, uh, or I mean, a lot of rather a lot of party fielded uh, younger younger or new faces. You know, these are the uh, so-called politician that had almost zero um, uh, baggage, a political baggage. So yeah, uh, it's a clean slate on their side. But of course, the party uh, would uh, master that with you know. A very good uh, manifesto and whatnot. And talking about manifesto, PH just launched their manifesto. Uh, PN will uh, introduce uh, on Monday. So this is time for us to uh, make assessment of their uh, whatever they're, they're offering to us. But of course, like you said, Adi, people in rural area they couldn't bet an eye on the on the manifesto. All they know just that you know, hey, why the Jalan Raya is not being fixed yet? So of course, a different sentiment. This is part of the strategy of the political party. Uh, what else that we need to talk? Uh, Upco, Upco um, contesting in what seven, five, five, five seats. So oh, yeah, five seats. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I think. Uh, 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 I know these are. You know, uh, again, a very hard uh, seats to win, but of course, uh, now that the APCO is part of Pakatan Harapan, so APCO hopefully also a, a wishful thinking to ride that PH uh, wave. So, you know, one vote for PH is one vote for Anwar, and one vote for P, uh, to his to his become uh, uh, prime minister. What do you think of uh, GRS, uh, Adi? The, uh, the the candidates that being fielded. I can't really speak to the personal qualities of the candidates themselves, but um, I noticed yeah, you're in Putatan, yeah, Davis? Yes, correct. So Shalmi will be contesting there, again. Yeah, and Awang uh, yeah. yeah, will so, defend his seat. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's uh, I, I can't, yeah, like I said, I can't really speak to the personal capacity of uh, the candidates themselves. However, we, we see that it's um how do you say it's a, it's a weird combination between AMNO, um, PBS, and uh, other GRS uh, uh, parties here associates here. So it's um I, I would say that I don't know if this is going this is a spirit of cooperation that's going to last though, especially when we look at how fragile things are going to be at the federal level. Um, would we see that Sabah might change um, in terms of the, like the, like how we had changes in uh, the state elections and forcing another one? Uh, I don't know, but that also depends on how much support um, the, the GRS or BN are able to achieve uh, during this round of uh, the general elections. So I mean, I would say that uh, aside from a few candidates, some are quite solid candidates as well. Um, some I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Uh, my my sad sad say, um, but um, yeah, I cannot like I said I can't say to each of them personally. Uh, all I can say is all the best there, man. All the best in uh, the elections. Hope you can do something different this time around. 
Yeah, uh, you mentioned Putat and uh, it's interesting because in the last uh, state election, Sabah state election 2020, uh, it was, it was, I think, it was uh, credit to Warisan that contributed to Pakatan Harapan because, of course, it was a marriage back then of uh, Warisan and PH, but now uh, a divorce has been filed. So I, 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 I kind of worried about uh, how Pakatan Harapan gonna, gonna um, defend their seat because I'm not gonna come in full strength. Uh, uh, Shahelmi is a, a minister, a cabinet minister, and also uh, the first assemblyman for uh, Tanjung uh, Tanjung Kramat. So it's a it's a, it's an interesting uh, dynamics that we see now. Uh, how the uh, Warisan supporters as well look at their uh, because they. They, they used to vote for uh, PKR uh, uh, Awang Musaini. Now they, uh, they're going to have a new uh, candidate for them, for their own, and Amno, and uh, of course, PKR. So it's an interesting part in Putatan as well. Uh, we see in KK also we have a few uh, young candidates, uh, first-timer uh, politicians. So uh, this is interesting time. Uh, though we talk about... Uh, this is a one-man uh, election, but of course, a lot of people actually use this as a reset of their political image. Uh, a party fielded uh, new members, and with that comes with a new branding again. Uh, but of course, whoever can come up with better branding, the best branding, I think will win uh, the election. Uh, definitely. I mean, even though this is a one-man uh, one election, it gives a lot of opportunities to other aspiring politicians as well, especially trying to fill in the void that we see with the purge or uh, trying to prove themselves as capable uh, leaders. So, I mean, it's you cannot deny that it benefits a lot of people as well during this time. Yeah, uh, we have uh, been live for more than one hour now. So I think uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion. Of course, we're gonna do this, do this more frequently again. So keeps uh, tuning. You can, of course, you can listen to this again on uh, on demand at uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So Adi, conclusion: uh, We talk a lot from Brazil to Italy, Israel, India, now Malaysia. We it's literally the whole uh, globe. Uh, up next, it's the midterm election for for U.S. presidential uh, fight. Uh, this is going to be interesting one as well with the Saudi and OPEC. Uh, causing problem for Joe Biden. Biden's in trouble yeah. right now. Both back. Yeah, just in time for his uh, midterm election. So that would be interesting. I guess that would be our discussion uh, next time. So uh, any 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 closing remarks? No, not really. But uh, just thank you to everyone as usual for tuning in and listening in. All right. Uh, so just one uh, last note: if you're watching this, still watching this. So just um, uh, for your information, SPR apps is already uh, officially uh, putting out your timing slots when you should come to vote. So you might want to check that uh, so you can prepare your journey uh, properly on the on 19th of November 2022. So with that message, please uh, visit our Facebook and uh, YouTube channel. Give some like and share subscribe to your family. Uh, with that, uh, goodbye for now. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much.